Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Jeff Van Gundy on if the Knicks have peaked under Tom Thibodeau in 10 minutes. I can give you your answer now if you want. But Rams head coach Sean McVay said two words with, I mean, listen, he said, we'll see. That was his response to the Los Angeles Times when he was asked whether he'd return to coach the Rams next season. Not... Hey, are you going to be there another five years? How much long? Next season, he said, we'll see. Regarding speculation, he could retire or take a break from coaching for a job as a, a broadcaster. I mean, McVeigh is would ob- pretty obvious. Some guys you look at, you go, oh, he'd be good on TV. McVeigh said, he didn't say, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm world champion head coach of the L.A. Rams. Are you kidding? He said, I'm just enjoying this moment right now. I'm really happy to be a part of this. Happy for that. Sean McVay, 36 years old, been to two Super Bowls in the last four years and won this one after being the driving force who said, hey, organization, put every resource we have from now until eternity to go get me this quarterback. What about that one? First round pick, a number one overall pick, two Pro Bowls, you went to a Super Bowl? Nope. All in to get that one. Let's win a, world, let's win a Super Bowl. And he did it. And he's 36 years old. Keyshawn Johnson on this show, KJM, talking about he keeps going. He's going to be in the conversation for GOAT coach one day at this rate. He said, I'm enjoying the moment right now. I'm really happy to be a part of this, happy for that. He acknowledged the championship he won Sunday would make it easier for him to walk away when he determines it's the right time to do so. He said, quote, I think you could definitely say that. Key, Keyshawn Johnson, are you going to sit here and give me your nothing-to-see-here routine on this one? I'm going to sit here in Los Angeles and give you the nothing-to-see routine. But look, here's what I would say. We'll see is just Sean McVay. We'll see. We'll see. Whatever. I mean, he knows he's going to coach, and everybody else knows he's going to coach. Um they're getting ready to go to the combine, man. They're they're getting ready to start the process of drafting and figuring out what they're gonna do for the new coming year. I, I understand the allure, the sexiness. I understand that people think that he's gonna be great in the booth. He's thirty six damn years old. He's been coaching as a head coach for five years, Max, not fifteen years. This is not Sean Payton. This is not Mike Tomlin. This is not Bill Parcells. When coaches decide to take a breather they've been doing it for so long and they get tired and they get burned out and they had failures on top of failures all he's had was success he hasn't had any failures he's had success 
And so when you have that type of success at this young age, I know a lot of people think it's appetizing and he could go off and come back and be the richest guy in the world. Well, guess what? He works for one of the richest guys in the world. And what, by, what I mean by that is that guy can write the check for whatever amount of money he wants to. Sean McVay will come out of this as the highest paid coach in NFL history when he decides to sign a new contract, whether it's today, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. But there is no other place to go. This is a perfect situation in L.A. We don't even need to talk about the weather, the team, the quarterback he went and got out, the brand-new stadium, the owner who stays out of the way, lock in step with the general manager and Les Snead and Sean McVay work together arm-in-arm. So, Jay, why would you leave? I don't know what everybody's talking about. For me, this is a strictly leveraged play, Key. I, I just I just won a Super Bowl. You're asking me a silly question. We'll see is a leverage statement to me. Pay me what I'm worth. And if you want to speculate that I can go off and be in the media booth where I can get paid $20 million a year because people think I'm the next coming of John Madden, then great. But at the end of the day, like, Key, I feel like we know what Sean McVay is all about, man. He loves coaching. You guys are missing to me, Jay. You're, you guys are – here's the picture for me. It's not about burnout, okay, or, it's, or contract negotiation. It's a, simply about this. When you go all in to win a Super Bowl, now you've done it. Like, why did we start asking questions about Harbaugh at Michigan? Pete Carroll winds up in Seattle, right, like once upon a time. It's, uh-oh, fit is about to hit the shan, right? So I get out while the getting's good. Here's the thing about the Rams. They went all in. That means no draft picks forever. They have fewer draft picks than almost every other team for a while, okay? They have a cap issue. They're up against it. Stafford's on an extremely team-friendly deal. That's going to end next year. They're going to have to pay Cooper Cup. They have a lot. They don't have a lot of money to spend because of the cap. I'm not talking about Kroenke's willingness to spend it. I'm talking about the cap. And they're lacking draft picks. So since he just won the Super Bowl, here is the, the threat, okay? I step away now, get at least as much money in broadcasting, take a year or two, whatever, bide my time, wait for the perfect situation, jump back in. That's the threat. And when he, when he says, we'll see, that makes the threat feel real. Not about burnout, Key. I'm not arguing burnout, Jay. I'm arguing situation. I'm arguing chess. There's nothing, But see, the problem is there's nothing wrong with the situation. I don't understand what it is that you don't understand, Max, because they, the Rams, they don't value high draft picks the way other teams do. Their team is made up of those third, second, fourth round, fifth round picks. They like to develop their players. They don't go and draft a guy like Van Jefferson and get a steal because he wasn't a first or second round pick. They draft guys that that they like, that they say, okay, we could develop this dude. He's going to be with us into his second contract, and then they move on from there. They've always done it that way, and they will continue to do it that way, and they've always gone out and acquired a big-time free agent, whether it was via trade or through free agency. Even when they was in St. Louis, that was the way that they orchestrated the teams and did things. Only Jeff Fisher was coaching versus Sean McVay. Let me remind you, Key, that one of the most persuasive points to me of your argument of why there was so much pressure on on McVay and Stafford to win the Super Bowl this year. Because remember, Jay and I early on were arguing 
Well, as long as they win a Super Bowl while Stafford is in L.A., the whole experiment is a success. And your point was they pushed the chips to the, in the middle of the table. Now they are, the, the chances that they win going forward decrease over time. So all your arguments now no, they don't still don't decrease. Address, but that's what you were arguing before the Super but Bowl. They don't, but they don't decrease the fact that you did it this year. The fact that you did it this year, you answered the bell what everybody wanted because you traded for Jared Goff. Yes, I mean traded for uh, Matt Stafford from Jared Goff. So you needed to win this year. If you didn't win this year, that's okay. You was going to have pressure on your head that was going to mount for you to deliver a Super Bowl. That pressure has now been lifted because you delivered a Super Bowl. But you still have a team that, with one or two tweaks here or there, bring back Von Miller. The receivers get healthy again. Sure up your uh, left tackle spot if all of a sudden Big Wit doesn't want to play anymore. You you try to figure out your secondary. You get small little pieces and you run it back again. It's a big They're in the position this. to do that. Key, I, I, I me personally, if, if Sean McVay were to leave to do TV because the situation wasn't right, I feel like also he would be he would open himself up to a lot of public criticism on that. You're just gonna leave a Super Bowl true. team. Like, like from a branding perspective, like that would even be the right. I would never advise that to somebody. No, he. I, he's, I think that's he's a very good not, look. Because in any other organization, like, we're well, just going to leave us when the opportunity gets nah, a little bit. Challenged. Leading he's, you to believe, Jay, that it's a, that it's a negotiation ploy for the contract, right? Yes. Yeah, I can but hear it's not that. that a, but 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 here's what I'm going to say to you: It's not a negotiation ploy. He doesn't need to negotiate. All him and Les Snead's got to do, and Kevin Dimoff is pick up the phone. And tell Stan Kroenke to send the jet. We're coming, and we want to discuss and talk about I, getting this man to be the highest paid coach in NFL history. I hear you and on they'll that, do Key. it. I hear you on that, Key, and I know they would do it. But like my thing is, if it wasn't a little bit of, slightly of a tactic, you know, like and he's smart. Like he doesn't doesn't say things off the cuff. You know what I mean? Like it, it does intent with some of his thoughts. So my thing is like, why why say we'll see? Like why, I'm the Rams because quarterback. I'm the Rams coach. Because that's Coach McVay to Sean. Leave it out there. It's Hollywood, man. Mystery. Look, look, look at the power that so, I have. I just won the Super Bowl. Watch we'll these see. rats run with the cheese. Oh, I hear they, you. They're that's, gonna do that. That's great. That's so what they do. My thing is that that, the cheese. But that, that the cheese creates leverage for you, though. It, it kind of does. Because but there's no leverage that need to be created. He already fair. created the leverage. So you're saying he's fair, doing it. Fair. Wait, Key. Your argument is he's doing this for sport. Yes. It's For sport. Sean, he's like he's sport fun. He's sport he hunting, watching us jump at it. He, he knows Max Kellerman is like a, a, a rat that's chasing cheese. Mm. And he going to go and try and get hit with the trap. He knows that. What trap? He knows that. He, know, he knows the germs are going to spread. It's bringing notoriety not only to him. Watch how many commercials Sean pop up on between now and the end of next football season. He'll be on every damn commercial you can think of. That may be. but 36 a, years old and young. There's a real argument for why it could happen, which is why oh, the God, cheese stop. is so delicious. <laughs> Just germ <laughs> spreading. You know, Keyshawn Max J. Will it. and Max. Right up. We're I doing talk, sports talk radio. Yes, what are I we doing here? Too. All right. Keyshawn J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. A huge doubleheader in the NBA tonight, including the Battle of New York. It comes back to Durant. He's arguably the best player in the NBA. He's the player that ties this disparate, weird, changing roster together. I think it's going to be scary having those guys running alongside me. You know, multiple different weapons on the floor. And 
And I think at the pace we want to play at, it's, it's going to be unreal. Another guy on your team that gets double teamed, which is really valuable. So when you have all that, um, um, you like it a lot. It is an NBA doubleheader tonight on ESPN. I mentioned the Battle of New York. That's what kicks it off or tips it off as the Knicks host the Nets at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Brooklyn looking to win back-to-back games for the first time since January. And then the Lakers and Jazz will follow at 10 as L.A. looks to avoid losing their fourth straight game. And Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson will be on the call at MSG and... Jeff Van Gundy is here with us now. Good morning, Coach. Good. Were you guys just talking about Sean McVay? Yeah. Um, possibly leaving to go broadcast? Yeah. That's story, Max spreading bad news, story Coach. Story of our lives, Coach. So, no, but I, I did it at 44. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, like, I get it if he had a family, but I think he's trying to plan it too much in advance. Like, like you have free reign. Like kids don't even know where they're they're living until they're eight. Yeah, right. So, like, you know, and and maybe junior high that friends dominate the world. So he's got a few years before he has to like really hone in on what would be right for his kids that he may have. So that would be my thing. Stay with a, a great team until you uh, have to make a decision. That see that's and, and coach that's what I keep trying to tell Max and Jay understands it. You've been in this business for a very long time and have dealt with owners and all general managers. And I'm like, this is the perfect owner. The owner only comes around on game day. That's the perfect owner. Yeah, he True. allows them to run the situation. And if it's about money, he'll write the check because he got more money than God. Look, to be clear, I don't think he's leaving, Coach, but I do think it's a credible threat when he says publicly, we'll see. You know, like I... No, no, that's what I was, I was, um, you know, I read those same things, and I was like, having having gone into broadcasting early, the only thing I would say is, um, you know, you don't, like, again, it's not like you can't spend time with your your children, especially in professional sports, like football, like they have what, like six weeks off. They have the month before training camp. You know, it's like, like college sports. I think it's, it's actually harder because I think the lifestyle is a lot different where it's, you know, recruiting 24 seven. So anyway, he seems like he's an awesome coach. And uh, if they have a great situation like that, where the owner only comes around and lets them do their business, that is a hell of a work situation. Jeff Van Gundy, NBA analyst, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Coach, I want to ask you, how do you think Ben Simmons meshes with the Nets roster? Well, I think it starts uh, with, from a basketball fit, if he is healthy and he wants to play, I think he fits uh, very well. I think the balance between you know, the offensive greatness of Durant and Irving coupled with uh, Simmons' defensive and rebounding and push of the ball in uh, transition, I I think they're going to fit very, very well together. And I think the flexibility in lineups uh, that the trade allows where, you know, Simmons could be a pseudo center um, at times uh, defensively um, and play he and Duran as your two biggest guys – I think gives them great flexibility to put 
a terrific offensive team out there that still has size and can rebound and defend. When you look at this this trade, and the Nets had to make it clearly because Durant, not Durant, but Harden wasn't quite working out, so to speak, at the end, how much pressure does this put on Kyrie in terms of when he's on the court, only on the road games? Yeah, that that must be a difficult situation for everybody, for Irving as a player, for his teammates, coaches, and, and you know, not knowing who you might draw in the first round of the playoffs. What if you play Toronto? He can't play in any of the games. I mean, it's just there's so many uh, question marks. But I think when Irving does play, uh, he and Durant, obviously, they always have a dominant offensive player on the floor. Um, and then they have enough shooting now with the addition of of Curry and they have Patty Mills and hopefully doesn't sound good, but if Joe Harris got back. And so I, I just really like their team. I think it's a more uh, balanced team. It's a, it's a team, if healthy, that should be able to improve defensively and rebounding-wise, which has been their – you know, they're really their weakness uh, when they have struggled. So I really like it for them. I think they're a heck of a team. And I think Irving's going to do his own thing because that's the, the, you know, course that he's charted. But um, when he's available, I think they have as good a team as anybody. Coach, for guys who can get their own shots, Kyrie and KD shoot it, you know, just about as well as it can be shot. And you mentioned Joe Harris and Seth Curry, he's a 44, 45% three-point shooters. So I get he's Simmons is surrounded with real shooting, potentially, in Brooklyn. And I remember Mark Cuban years ago, before Detroit won in 04, talking about the Pistons could never win because, you know, Ben Wallace can't shoot free throws. And that worked out fine for the Pistons, even though Wallace couldn't shoot free throws. But Simmons' issues shooting are, like, outsized. Do you think in terms of winning a championship, that can be overcome? Or if he's out on the floor and he won't be aggressive because he doesn't want to go to the line or they put him on the line, is that the, the, the Achilles heel of this team? Well, teams don't hack a shack or, you know, that, that strategy as much now. But certainly in the playoffs, if, you know, he, I think last year, what he shoot, 34% from the free throw line? Mm-hmm. Um you're going to see if he if he's willing to step up there and make, especially how good Durant and Irving are. If they're on a roll and he's on the floor, um, you know, you're going to definitely, you know, test him, uh, I would think. And he doesn't have to make outside shots. He, he, he does not. I think it's been the fallacy all along. It's he has to be able to go to the free throw line and he has to feel confident enough that he's still going to attack the basket where it may lead to trips to the free throw line. So I think it's going to be interesting to see um, if he's sort of overcome last year's playoffs and sitting out as long as he did this year and what, what type of shape he's in both mentally and physically. Um, I'm interested to see, and uh, there's not a lot of, you know, time to, to get it together. But I think Brooklyn came out of this trade when you had a, a, a discontented player like Harden. They came out of it as well as you could expect a team to come out of it. So I give 
you know, Sean Marks a lot of credit for what he was able to do. Coach, uh, let's talk about the team that finished fourth last year in the Eastern Conference in the New York Knicks. Right now they're sitting at the 12th spot. Uh, What do you see the reason for that being? You know, they're just not very good. They're just not very good. I mean, you know, Mark asked me, uh, we did a Nick game uh, against Golden State, and he says, and I think he said it on there, he says, um, do you think they're a bad team? And I was sort of hemming and hawing and, you know, really didn't give an answer, but they're just not good. I mean, I don't know if they're bad, but they're not good. Um, uh, individual players aren't having a good year. I, I don't think they fit particularly well together. And they don't seem as committed at the defensive end or as talented at the defensive end this year, which is what they ha- hung their hat on last year. To me, they won last year because um, Randall had a dominant year. Uh, they played outstanding defense, and their bench was uh, terrific. And it sort of offset what the starters did was just sort of keep them in the game, and the bench, you know, won the game. And this year, um, you know, Randall hasn't been good. Uh, their defense is not good. And their bench has has been uh, a detriment, uh, not a strength. And Rose's injury, I think, is is a part of that, obviously. But um, they just, to me, they just don't fit well together. And uh, I think there's going to, you know, when you look at their team, um, how are they going to get better? I mean, there's a, you know, I I love Grimes. I think he's really good as a uh, young player. but I don't see really right now with this group a path forward to, you know, to being a championship caliber team. There's going to have to be if they're going to try to reach, you know, higher levels. It's going to, you know, result because of a lot of changes to their roster. Coach Jeff Van Gundy, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Coach, I'm a Laker fan, as you know, and we got some issues out here in Laker land, and there's been conversation swirling around Anthony Davis potentially being moved next year um, because clearly we missed the trade deadline this year. Is that the only way we can fix the Lakers moving forward? That's uh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. Wow. Um, Well, I think, and and you know this, uh, Keyshawn, the first problem out there there's two. They they sacrificed a lot of depth in the Westbrook trade, and then they've their two best players have been out, you know, um, a lot. And so when you have James out and Davis out, and you're built around a superstar model, and you've taken away from your depth, um, there's going to be issues. And I think um, I'm not sure, you know, trading Anthony Davis would be the answer um i think you'd be trying to recoup a lot of depth in that type of trade i think with davis you just hold your breath every time he jumps and lands because seemingly you know i mean he's hurting and like in every game so you don't know you know um you know, when he's going to be available for how long and at what level he's going to be able to play at. Is he 80%, 90%? So I'm not sure, you know, what you could do with a with a Davis trade. The problem is, 
you know, they're just, like I was saying about the Knicks, they're just not good enough. I mean, that's the bottom line. They're just not good enough. They're, I, is that how people we try to make good, it though? complicated? Huh? What was that, Keyshawn? No, I said, is that how we can get good, though, by moving him? I don't know. I, so much of it depends on what you could get. Could, could you? I just don't think you're able to get with trading him. I don't think you're going to be able to recoup, you know, what was I, – I, don't, I just don't see it. I, don't, I, I think sometimes Laker fans, like, it's hard because they're such <laughs> used to such greatness – over sustained periods of time that I think you're heading for uh, a rebuild here in the next couple of years. And it's going to be a, 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 it's going to be hard as, as big a draw as the Lakers are. I mean, you know, they can get free agents, but um, I think it's going to be hard. I, I really do. The great Jeff get Van Gundy, ladies and gentlemen, coach. Thanks as always. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I hope I didn't depress Keyshawn with my. You my, can't see uh, my face right now, but yes, you did. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's going to be pretty for uh, for a bit. Yeah. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for having me on. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, As always, too, Coach. The latest mock from McShay. Next, Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. G-Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Todd McShay, his mock draft 2.0 is out, and here's where he has quarterbacks going. Ready for this? Kenny Pickett, 11th to the Commanders. Malik Willis, 17th to the Steelers, right? Who trade up with the Chargers to take Willis. Matt Corral, 18th to the Saints. And Sam Howell, 32nd to the Lions. That's fourth first-round picks being quarterbacks. Todd McShay, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? What up? 
Doing good. What up? What Glad up? Glad to have you. You have Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback off the board at 11 to the Commanders. How close to a foregone conclusion is it that he'll be the first quarterback off the board? Oh, I don't think it's foregone. I actually I have Malik Willis from Liberty graded slightly higher than him. I, they're two very different quarterbacks. I mean, Pickett, you have a guy with 50 starts who's NFL ready, whose floor is probably as high as any of the quarterbacks in this class, but his ceiling is 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 lower in terms of what what his potential can be. He reminds me a lot of, of Mac Jones coming out a year ago, and the reason I say that is, you know, they they're great inside the pocket with their awareness and maneuverability, excellent at processing information and getting the ball to where it needs to go, and, and very accurate throwing the football. But I think Mac Jones had a little better arm and, and just has a little bit higher ceiling in terms of physical talent. Uh, but but Pickett, you know what you're getting. And I think you could plug him in, and, and he's as ready to go as a rookie quarterback can be in the league. Malik, though, Malik Willis is just – he's such a physical freak. I mean, he's, I know he's on the shorter side, just over six feet tall, but he is built rock solid. He's a dynamic athlete. I mean, he, he reportedly ran in the, the high four threes at Auburn when he was there before transferring to Liberty. Mm. And you see it on the field, his ability to extend plays. And then I think he has the strongest arm. The ball just explodes off his hand. The problem is he's coming from, from a Hugh Freeze offense where it's very quarterback friendly. Um, you know, he's going to have to understand defenses and what they're trying to do, and it's, it's going to be a different game for him. So there's going to be a learning curve. But the good news is with his mobility, he can get out of rookie mistakes, and he's probably going to make more if he's starting as a rookie than, than your average rookie starter because of that transition. But, again, if, if something goes wrong, he can just tuck the ball and, and, and go make a, a seven-yard loss into a five-yard gain. And that's, that's going to be the interesting part. So it's interesting to see, though, because you've got Carolina at six. It's kind of in a win-now mode, even though they don't have the roster. And I mean win-now by just trying to win enough games to keep Matt Rule's job. Denver at nine, if they're going to draft a quarterback, and I'm not sure that's the route they're going to go, and I didn't have them taking one in this draft, in this mock draft. But they want to plug a guy in with a pretty good roster around him and, and try to elevate and, and go, go to the playoffs next year. But, you know, Kenny Pickett fits for those teams because he is the most NFL-ready. But a team like Atlanta that has a, a Matt Ryan for a year and can develop a quarterback, I think Malik Willis would be the choice. If, if any one of these quarterbacks were to go in the top ten, those would be the scenarios. Todd, you talked about Willis and Pickett, obviously, and – just overall, this draft class overall is not that great. And the Saints at 18 in your mock draft picking uh, Matt Carell out of Old Miss. But I think that the Saints, and from what I can gather, are going to do try and do something much bigger. Much bigger in terms of a veteran-type quarterback because they think they can win right now. Does that mean that they won't take a quarterback? No, but how do you see them taking Corral if they want to do something different? Well, there's some big dominoes to, to fall, right, Key? I mean, when you, when you look at the situation now, everyone's talking about, well, is Carolina trying to go get one of these veterans? And we're, we're talking about where, you know, where does Aaron Rodgers land? Where does Russell Wilson land? What's the story with, with Deshaun Watson? Jimmy Garoppolo, we've heard rumors about potentially a second-round pick trading for, uh, you know, Pittsburgh is a possibility. Uh, I've heard Washington is a possibility. So those are right there, and there are, there are others, but those are four major dominoes that would need to fall. And we've heard teams like, you know, Philly being potentially interested in Russell Wilson. And, and you know, I just mentioned a couple teams in, you know, Pittsburgh and 
and, and, and others that are interested in Garoppolo, uh, Washington and Pittsburgh, I should say, and interested in Garoppolo. So that's going to dictate how this first round plays out with the quarterbacks. And, and right now we, we're just having to guess and, and kind of assume that none of these teams are able to get a deal done. But ultimately, if you go out and get one of those four quarterbacks that I mentioned, you're absolutely not drafting one of these quarterbacks because none of them, even with the, the best case scenario, in terms of all their potential, none of them are going to be what, what those level veterans are going to be, probably including Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's what's so intriguing. It's what happens between now and the draft, not necessarily what happens on draft night. Todd, we got about 40 seconds here left before we go to break, but I want to ask you, as a Giants fan, how strong is the O-line class top to bottom in this draft? I think it's really good. I mean, anytime you have three guys that you're talking about potentially in the top 10 with Evan Neal from Alabama, uh, Ike McQuanu from, from North Carolina State, who's the most dominating physical blocker in this class, and, and Charles Cross from Mississippi State, who's, you know, I, I, I think he still is developing to do, but he might be the best pure pass protector in this, in this group. And there are others beyond that. And Tyler Linderbaum, I just watched more tape of him last night at the Iowa Center. This guy's a stud. If he played tackle, left tackle, we'd be talking about him potentially. He's the number one pick for the Jaguars. But because he's a center, he's probably more mid-first round. But from the Giants' perspective, what's interesting is if Evan Neal goes number one and Equanu goes number four, then now all of a sudden you're getting, if you decide to go offensive tackle with that, with that fifth pick, you're getting Charles Cross who's a good player, but he's not at the level of Neil and Aquanu. Or do you take a, a Kayvon Thibodeau if he falls to you and then try to take an offensive lineman with that seventh pick, which is what they had them doing in, in this mock uh, 2.0. So they're, they're in an intriguing spot, but I certainly think edge rusher and offensive line for the Giants are the two highest priorities in the offseason. That is Todd McShay, ladies and gentlemen. His mock draft 2.0 is out. ESPN.com. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. All right, Todd. Thank you, guys. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. It comes back to Durant. He's arguably the best player in the NBA. He's the player that ties this disparate, weird, changing roster together. I think it's going to be scary having those guys running alongside me. You know, multiple different weapons on the floor. And... 
I think at the pace we want to play at, it's, it's going to be unreal. Another guy on your team that gets double teamed, which is really valuable. So when you have all that, um, um, you like it a lot. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Download the podcast. So Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, of course, was on Get Up on ESPN. Terrific morning show. Not Moments ago. Not as terrific as your show. What's that? Not as terrific as your show. Well, it's, they're, they're like companion shows. Uh, Get, Up, Get Up is the first one. And you can think okay, don't, all right, yeah. You can think of this just in as kind of like an update on Get Up in the middle of the day. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yep. Hand the baton. Still all right, up. now. Adam Silver was asked about the Harden-Simmons trade. Listen to his response. First of all, you always hope those situations don't play out publicly. I recognize that there are going to be situations where guys are unhappy and where teams are unhappy with them. But ideally, when players want to get traded or teams are preparing to make moves, those are conversations they have confidentially with players, they have confidentially with other teams. And obviously in this case, it not only played out publicly, but it's been playing out since the season even began, particularly with Philly. See, (laughs) This is why I'm, I'm a huge fan of the NBA key is, you know, as Adam set up there, was like, yeah, of course, I would love for things to, to play out privately. But what it does is, you know, and people can talk about before, like, oh, ratings and things of that sort being down. But when you look on social media, man, like these NBA topics are trending all the time, all the time. And the storyline that this has given us and the narrative in the second part of the season, it's going to be all we're talking about because the NBA is dramatic. There's so much drama. And now understanding how James Harden, regardless of what he might have said about Kyrie or KD, KD not picking James Harden with the last two selections of the All-Star Reserve. Ben Simmons talking about it's going to be dangerous with the way we are. I never hear him talk about Philadelphia that way with the weapon of Joel Embiid. Understanding, hey, I talked to Doc, I talked to Tobias, I talked to Josh Harris, owner, but you didn't talk to Joel Embiid? No. Like, those narratives, those storylines, that's what we love as fans. And that's what makes this league and the future thinking of this league so damn impressive. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I heard right there from, from Adam Silver, it sounds like to me he, he's not too happy with the Philadelphia 76ers. It'd be interesting to watch down the line just – not that they, he's going to do anything to them or punish them, but you could just tell when he got to Philadelphia, in particular Philadelphia, start of the season. Start of the season was Philly. The start of the season was never the Brooklyn Nets because the start of the season, the Brooklyn Nets had all three ready to go until the situation with Kyrie and the vaccination. But if you listen to what he said, he said at the beginning of the season, what happened at the beginning of the season? Ben Simmons, I want out. Summertime, Ben Simmons not going to show up. Training camp. So you could clearly hear that he's had some frustration in his tone when speaking of Philadelphia. Even but overall, Adam, yeah. go, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no go, go buddy. I was no, going to say, even add on to that, just a point, like Daryl Moore going on the radio. Remember when he went on the radio show? We played a sound where he kind of was like, I'm not trading Ben, like kind of set a different tone. You don't. He, I didn't hear Sean Marks going on Everyone the radio. told him at the time, by the way, oh, you got to at least take C.J. McCollum. That's as good as you're going to do. He wound up expanding the deal and landing James Harden. Uh, Moore, he played it smart. But, you know, sometimes that's the problem. Let me, let me ask you this, though, Jay. Okay. 
I know everybody what they would say, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're crazy. Harden is way better than C.J. McCullough. Okay, but but from a team standpoint, if you could have got McCullum and kept some of those assets that you had to surrender, are you a better team? I well, there are two factors. So number one, the punctured lung thing by CJ, I think, was pretty was pretty. But that big but here. that was recent though, right? Yeah, yeah, that was. But yeah, so around that same time. Um, I, I gotta say, like you would have been a good team, but you're still not. You're still not a team. I mean, you're, you would still be competing with James Harden, KD, and Kyrie. Yeah, CJ, that's McCollum. the problem. So you do this move to, to, to empower your own team while also dismantling to a degree your opponent in your own division. CJ McCollum is See, a I nice feel piece. Like, James I feel Harden like, is a top I feel like, 15, though, Jay, 20 player ever. Yeah. I feel like that the Nets right got stronger. Yeah than the Sixers because even though people complain about Ben Simmons shooting, he still could go to the cup. He could do a lot of other stuff and play defense. Second in voting last year for defensive player of the year. So we already know they got stronger there. They got scores when they picked up Curry. They they got scoring when they also when Kyrie's on the floor or Katie's on the floor. So you're getting your points regardless. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, for Daryl, though, there's a sense of urgency about winning now. Because Joel Embiid is having an MVP caliber year for somebody who has been injury prone, you rather go all in now. I, and I hear what you're saying; you could have potentially waited towards the summer. But if there's one thing that we know with this league, man, is who knows what can happen. I mean, this is a war of attrition. Team gets the best player in the deal, almost always wins the trade in the NBA. And James Harden is the best player in the deal by a lot here. Um, he also but is Adam he Silver. by a lot? Yeah, he is. I mean, I hear I, Jay, I, I'm, Jay, I'm actually high on Ben Simmons too. Yeah, right? I, yeah. But it, yeah, is he the best player? But there's also a lot that comes along with James Harden. Yes, there is. No, Although, I know. I know. Scoring wise, he's the better scorer. But is he the better all around player when you add the defensive side to it? The 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 length. The like that's how I look at. It. I don't look at the stat box and go, "Well, he scores. He fills it up." I'm looking at everything. That Ben Simmons can do for the Nets that they don't have. I hear you. James Harden, as much as I've criticized his choking in the playoffs because that's what he's done, also got his team without Chris Paul to a seventh game against the KD Warriors and even with an all-time bad shooting night by him and the whole team, still only lost by single digits. Like Harden gets you closer than Simmons. But I hear you. Simmons is a terrific player. I mean, no, just, but but, but I'm not ta- I'm not talking about individual though, Max. I'm yeah, no, I hear about I hear your effect your effect on the team. I get it. I'm saying Harden took a team on a, an absurd playoff run. They were they came much closer to beating the Warriors than the Cavs with LeBron mm-hmm. ever did. Like when KD was on the Warriors, it says a lot about Harden. Adam Silver also commented. I want to get to this now before we get out of here on whether or not player movement is bad for the league. Listen. The data shows that superstars moving isn't necessarily a bad thing because it, it allows bad situations to, um, in an orderly way um, to change. It, allows, it gives teams that may not be in a p- competitive position hope that w- they can sign one of those players. But shorter contracts to me is something very different, and, and free agents moving at the end of contracts is different than what we just saw, where you have players actively seeking to move while they're under contract. That, that I think, the data is clear on that. That's not good for the league. 
Yeah, I, I agree. That's the problem, right, is when somebody has two or three years left on their deal, like a Ben Simmons. Now, granted, it's a different conversation because of mental health. That, that's what makes it hard. Like, I don't want to be here, but you have three years left on your deal. Like, that, that, that's, a, that's a bad thing because now you're setting a precedent that I can quit, essentially, and not fulfill my contract, and I'm going to force your, your hand as an owner to get rid of me and put me in a situation that I think is better than the one I'm currently in. What do I always say, Jay, in professional sports? The if be they want to leave, let them leave because you got to move them anyway. Yep, that's exactly right. And, and what we've seen in the NBA, particularly with Harden, where he just kind of refuses to play without technically refusing to play, demonstrates that, for the superstars at least. All right. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, we are back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.